Hello and welcome to the inaugural edition of the Bombato La Liga podcast, the podcast on La Liga with a Scandinavian perspective, which means in real terms that we'll both look at the Scandinavian players in La Liga and offer our own take on everything else that's happening in Spanish football, being that we are both Scandinavian. Uh, who are we? You're probably asking. My name's Lee Roden. I'm a long-term Spanish football journalist, previously of La Liga TV, occasionally of TalkSport, and just about anyone else who'll pay me. Um, my co-host who'll be guiding you from up in the northwest of Spain is Alexandra Jonsson. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm all right. I'm a Swede who lives in Spain, so we have one not Swede who lives in Sweden and one Swede who lives in Spain. So that's how we're doing it. Uh, and yeah, I worked a bit for La Liga TV as well. I work basically for anyone who wants me when it comes to La Liga football. That's my, my niche. So that's what we are going to cover here. Uh, so to start this first episode of this first podcast with, we're obviously going to f- start with the very first match of this La Liga season, which was FC Barcelona against Athletic Club de Bilbao. So Lee, if we start with looking at Barca here, without Lionel Messi, they fell flat again. What's the solution? Ah, uh, the million dollar question. Um, if you listen to Barca Twitter, or at least a section of Barca Twitter, the answer is probably, Sack Ernesto Valverde. But I'm not going to go for that one. Um, what a match, by the way, first of all. I mean, it, it maybe took a little while to get going at times, but wow, what an ending. Uh, Barca's solution, well, dare I say it, I think the solution for them when Messi isn't around is the same solution that they had a few years ago, but had taken away from them from by PSG. I know it's not popular among some Barcelona fans, but man, when I was watching them on Friday night, I just thought this team really needs Neymar. It really could do with that guy. Uh, he's a controversial figure for various reasons, but when it comes to picking up the reins of the team um, and really controlling their creative play when Messi wasn't around, I've not seen anyone do it better than he did. Um, and so for me, that remains the watermark. And if he's available and they can get him, I just think it makes perfect sense. Um, and, you know, they've tried other options. Speaking of the devil with uh, Philippe Coutinho, now being confirmed that he's loaned out to Bayern Munich with a possible option to buy. I mean, I guess the, the idea of having him was also to take some of the creative burden away from Messi. That didn't work out. Um, and now looking at what's on the table, I really think if they can if they can get Neymar, it's time to move because there's going to be more and more occasions uh, in the coming years as Messi gets older. He is human, remember, just about, uh, where they can't rely on him to solve every game for him. And uh, already in the first match of the, the 1920 season, it's become obvious that they need someone else to help out there. So that's my take anyway. And well, someone who they did sign this summer is Antonio Griezmann. What, what do you make of his first match, league match with Barcelona? Yeah, it was a strange one. I don't want to be too harsh because I think it's early and we probably shouldn't draw huge conclusions at this stage of the season. But I mean, you know, Alex, like I've said for a while, I have some doubts and I wrote this as well in my column for TalkSport about whether Griezmann can be as effective as he was just a few years ago. Um, There are a lot of, even though he's still relatively young, there's a lot of miles in those legs. Um, And I just wonder if he's he's still capable of resolving games on his own. Uh, And then I also wonder what his position is for Barca. I wonder, is he a winger or is he a number nine? I think he's, he's more effective through the middle playing as a supporting striker, but that's not an option in Barca's system when they play 4-3-3. Um, and I don't know, is, is he going to be best served being stuck out on the flank because he hasn't really played there consistently for a long time? Or is he going to be better as the alternative to Luis Suarez? Can the two of them play well together? I'm not really sure either. So there's plenty of questions to ask about him. And uh, can we take anything from this match being so early of the season of where Barcelona are heading? 
reasonably and sensibly no, but we're not reasonable or sensible, so let's try. Um, I I wonder if they're going to have similar problems to what they had in the past. I feel like they still have a group of maybe two or three players who are older now, who they rely really heavily upon. Uh, and when they're not firing fully, it becomes a problem for the team. Um, but I mean, there's time yet. The market's still open as well. Remains to be seen whether they move for anyone in the time that's left in the Spanish window. But it wasn't a, a particularly encouraging start would be my take from it. But I'm also trying to be slightly more reserved about that because I think it's too early to draw huge conclusions. But anyway, that's enough about the team that lost. It's kind of ridiculous to focus so much on the team who didn't take the result. Let's take, talk about the team that did in spectacular fashion. We'll get to that later. Um, I was slightly worried about Athletic this summer. They've not really managed to strengthen in any significant way. And we all know that they had a pretty poor start to the season last year. But then they looked very good. They looked very confident, very comfortable, I think, considered the quality of the opponent. Uh, how far do you think they can go this season? And do you think it's just a case of them settling in and now you're seeing the best from this group of players? Well, I think uh, looking at what they were trying to do this, this summer was that they didn't even try to, to do any real signings. They, instead, you had uh, Garitano trying to make his squad smaller because he felt he had too many players. So they'd been, been sending players on loan and taking up, I think, one player from, from the youth teams, and, and that's about it. Um, and what I think that, that says is that they are very, very secure in what they have. And they're very happy with the squad they have. Also, of course, having their Basque-only policy makes it much more difficult to do signings. So why make a signing if there isn't a player that just fits into what you have? If you already have the best uh, that you can have at the, at, the, at the moment, why try to, to change that, I'd say. I think that's what they are trying to do. And I also do feel like they have one of the are one of the teams in La Liga where you're not where at least I'm not really worried because they always feel so secure in what they are doing, uh, especially the defensive game, which I think is one of the best defenses that we are going to see in La Liga is in, in their team. Um, so I for sure think that this uh, this is a team that we we should expect quite a lot from because if they can just keep the, the problem last season was that they started losing or not winning rather they drew a lot. And they got in, in mentally, but I think the squad is, is very, very good. So I think they could go up and take a European spot for sure. So, big prediction. You've talked about their defensive game already. Uh, we have to talk about what resolved the match, which is just a ridiculous goal by Aritz Aduriz. Um, if you haven't seen it already, well, first of all, what rock have you been under? Um, <laughs> but you, you need to go and look at it because it really is incredible. This guy's 38. It's insane. Um, this is in theory, his last season before he retires, but let's see if they manage to convince him otherwise. Um, when will he stop? We thought he'd slowed down last season and then he comes back and does this. I mean, how do they even replace him in the long term? It's incredible. No, he's, he's amazing. He's a bit like a fine wine, I say sometimes. He gets better with age, it feels like. But yeah, last season we saw that he didn't play as much as he's been doing before and I don't think we're going to see a lot of him this season either. He's going to come in every now and then and, and maybe save Athletic a few times. And that is, I think, the, their biggest problem is that how do you replace Aritz Aduriz? And especially, again, with this Basque, Basque policy, it's very difficult to, to find those players because you don't have as much to, to choose from. And a player like Aritz Aduriz in a small part of the world that is the Basque country only comes around every, every so often. 
Uh, so I think that's where, where their biggest difficulties is, is how to score the goals. Inaki Williams is a fantastic player, but he's, he's not one of those strikers who scores 20 goals a season. Uh, so that's definitely where they have to, to work hard to, to find the goals. And they, they're probably going to win their matches very, with very small results, like 1-0 and, and stuff like that. And I think the fact that Fernando Llorente's name still pops up all the time and he's no spring chicken yeah. uh, tells you of just how difficult a position they are and when it comes to finding someone else to, to play centre forward and score goals regularly. But anyway, uh, that's enough athletic. I mean, the, the Basque Giants were involved in, for me, two of the best fixtures of the weekend. Uh, we'll look at Real Sociedad who are at the Mastaya. And from our point of view, it was an important fixture because we had a Swede and a Norwegian in Real Sociedad's team and then a Dane in Valencia's team. We'll come to him later. Uh, but let's start off with Martin Odegaard, who we've all been watching for a long time. Uh, he played the full match. He played in an unusual position for me. Like, I don't normally mm -hmm. expect to see him in a more central midfield role. Uh, how did you think he'd done, and do you think he's ready for this level now in La Liga? Well, I definitely think he is. Looking at this match, I think he was one of the better players on the pitch during the match. I think uh, he created a lot in the attack for, for Real Sociedad, opened up a lot with, with some of his passes. And he, I think he definitely showed that he's now gotten to a level where he's ready to play on a high level of La Liga football. Uh, and I definitely think he's going to be a starter throughout the season for Real Sociedad and, and might be, be a player who covers a bit of what they were missing uh, last year when it came to creativity. And he also, even though he's one of the youngest in the team, obviously, he's only 20 years old, we all know, know about him for quite a long time now, signing for Real Madrid when he was 16. And I do think you can see in him, in him that he has... A lot more experience than a normal 20 year old does and, and he feels more secure in that sense so i think it was a really really positive start for him um, and really look forward to see what he can do at the la real this season for sure my only question about edgar is that I, I really like to see him in the final third because he yeah. has such a great final uh, ball and he can be really useful in that area of the pitch um and and real sociedad have you could say a little bit of overbooking as the spanish say <laughs> In those positions which maybe partially explains why he was playing a slightly more withdrawn role um i, I don't know it would be, we'll see how he develops also we'll see how he adapts to the the job they're asking him to do but it would be nice i think to see him maybe get a little bit more license mm -hmm. to be further forward or start a little bit higher up the pitch as the season progresses so one scandinavian who does play further forward and did finally make an appearance though not in the starting 11 was alexander isaac his first 20 minutes of the Liga action is a big step up for him, obviously. Uh, what do you make of his first game of, in the league? And should we expect to see him in a starting 11 for Real Sociedad in time soon? Well, as you say, it's definitely a huge step for him to, to go up and play La Liga football. It's one of the most difficult levels you can get up to. Uh, but I think he did, did really good for his 20 minutes. He, he was a part of creating the goal that, uh, that Real Sociedad scored in as he was the one who, who created the free creek that led to the penalty that they scored on. So it's a bit of a long stretch, but still. Um, but there is obviously a lot of improvements. And what I would like to see mainly is to, to see him find more connections with the other forwards, with William Jose and Oyar Sabal, who was the two he played with this time. Because it felt like every time he got the ball, it was quite individual, most of it. He's very technical, very good. Uh, but just find that, that connection with the other forwards is what I would like to see more from him. Uh, I definitely think that we will see him in the starting 11, 11 at times. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a regular starting 11 player. That depends on his performances. But considering how La Real had had some troubles scoring goals both last season and it took until the 101st minute for him to do it this time, there should definitely, definitely be chances for him in the, from the start. And 
maybe not next match, but if he keeps on doing good good minutes, he, he's definitely going to get those chances. Yeah, I think you could see like in the short time that he was on, he was making a lot of runs, but they weren't necessarily connecting with what his teammates were doing. But the, the one thing that we saw is that he is an excellent dribbler. And I think that's something that he has that William Jose doesn't really have in the same way. And, and that's what provoked that free kick, obviously, which then in turn leads to the goal through a penalty. Um, well, I guess it's, it's useful to try and have some perspective on this team because we're excited about them for obvious reasons, because Aragard's there, because Isaac's there. But where's this team going to finish? What are they aiming for? Do they have the quality to get into Europe this season, which is so important for Real Sociedad for their identity? I think their goal is definitely to try to get the Europa League spot, but I think it's it's not easy. It's a very difficult league. There's a lot of teams competing for those spots, and a lot of those teams feel very very strong ahead of this season. Uh, and it will come down a lot to how much they can get the, the attack going and how much they can start scoring goals. But I do feel that there is a few doubts coming with Real Sociedad as well, even though there is a lot of things that we are really excited about. And for me, this is maybe the most exciting team in La Liga this season for for many reasons. Uh, but one of my doubts is the coach, Imanol, who I haven't been especially impressed by, especially last season. He got the results a lot of the times, but the way they were playing was not really reflecting how good the results actually were. Uh, so there is a lot of improvement to do there. And what I feel they are missing the most, which is going to be a key to see if they can figure out that this season, is leadership, both from the bench, from Imanol, but also on the pitch. Uh, I think since they lost Sabi Prieto, no one has really been able to step up and take that spot. And it's it's a very, not just do they have Alexander Isak and Martin Adegord coming in as a 20, 19-year-old as two young signings, but the team uh, overall, the entire squad is one of the youngest in La Liga, if not the youngest. Uh, so that's things they need to, to work on and try to figure out how to, to deal with. So uh, that was Real Sociedad, but we also have to obviously speak about the team that they played against because it's not just a one-team show. So it was Armasta Mestalla, it was Valencia. And it hasn't really been an ideal summer for Valencia this summer at all, which is very typical Valencia, I have to say. Uh, we have been close to losing, they have been close to losing their sport director, uh, possibly their coach as well, uh, and their main center forward. What did you think of them? Ah, uh, same old Valencia. I mean, both on the pitch and off it. It was too good to be true, you know, you end the centenary season with a trophy win, the first one in like a decade. Uh, Marcelino and the players in perfect union. The, the players saving his job, the sporting director, Matteo Aliman, very much liked and very much the, the most sensible person in charge of signings at the Mestalla for years. And in the summer, it all combusts, basically. And somehow, I mean, the, the most surprising thing is that, that as of today, as of Monday, uh, none of it made any changes happen. Aliman's still there. Marcelino's still there. And then the, the third point, which you briefly touched upon, was that Rodrigo almost left. But he's still there, incredibly. Let's see what happens this week with Angel Correa. Uh, but we'll get to that later. But I mean, I think on the pitch, the, yeah, it was it was the same Valencia that we saw last season, I think, which is that they, they struggle to attack when there's not space to attack into. They find it really hard to create chances when they can't do it on the break. Uh, and I think goals are going to be a problem for them this season like they were a problem for them for much of last season as well um and i thought that real sociedad were really smart one thing that they did that i noticed throughout was that they made some really clever tactical fouls so whenever there was a chance that valencia could make a threatening break with space someone just sucked it up and took the yellow card because if you cut them off at that moment then they have to rebuild again from a static position valencia really struggle with that um, so I still have a big question about, yeah, whether that's going to cost them in the, the long term and whether that is the difference between 
them and then those three teams at the top in La Liga, I feel like they're going to drop points in games that are congested and that will be a, a difficult mountain for them to climb. And that's before anything happens inside the club or with the players in the squad. Yeah, and speaking of that and speaking of uh, Rodrigo especially, there's been quite a saga around him as well this summer. So what what is his future? Is it Valencia? Yeah, it's, it's really hard to know. I think that so the... As of today, what I know is that um, Paolo Maldini is supposed to be traveling to try and wrap up the Angel Correa transfer from Atletico Madrid this week. Um, obviously, they don't have a lot of time left to do that. If he does that, if Atletico can get the fee that they want for Correa, then they'll move again for Rodrigo, is assumed to be uh, the consequences. But those are a lot of conditions. There are a lot of if, buts and maybes. And I think there's also the question about Andre Silva from Milan's point of view to try and get some uh, money in to make their move happen. So... A lot of dominoes need to fall into place for the whole chain to, to occur. It wouldn't surprise me at all after after all of this, if something, you know, in that quite complicated chain of events doesn't happen, that we're left with Rodrigo still at Valencia uh, come the close of the transfer window. But on the other hand, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he leaves tomorrow. Uh, so it's a huge amount of uncertainty and that can't be ideal either. I mean, this is a guy that left training last week, thought that he was going to Atletico. His coach even admitted that he thought he was going. Diego Simeone hasn't admitted it but nor has he denied it that he expected to have him and then in the end he ends up starting at the weekend so it's, it's a doubt that I think Valencia could do without at this stage when they're trying to kickstart their season and Valencia are a very chaotic club I would say and for, for me personally I would say they are the most unpredictable unpredic- team because with everything mm. happening on the pitch off the pitch all the time you could see them with that fantastic squad and in the top but also in the bottom where, where do you think the season is going to go for Valencia? The, the only thing I think they have in their favour is that they have a pretty clear identity and even if one or two players go in or out, they have a group of players that have been there for a while now and know exactly what they're doing. Um, while I feel like the other clubs who could potentially challenge them for fourth place are going through bigger transitions. So Betis are going through a big transition, for example. Um, I feel like uh, Sevilla, even though they've signed some really useful players and potentially Lopetegui could work out really well for them, I mean, it's, it's an incredible amount of bodies that they've brought in this year to try and make them all settle and fit um, and be consistent enough to take fourth will be a big ask. So I'm kind of leaning on the side of saying that I think Valencia will finish fourth again. I think they'll finish fourth comfortably a distance off third. I don't think they'll be anywhere near mm-hmm. third. Um, but I reckon they'll beat the, the chasing pack, or at least that's, that's my impression. But let's see what happens if Marcelino's on the street, as they say, and if Rodrigo's gone, if Aleman's gone. If it's upheaval at the Mestalla, then maybe there'll be an opportunity for someone else. And from one white team to another here up in in Vigo, where I live, uh, Real Madrid was here for a visit this weekend. Uh, there's been a lot of hype in, in Spanish media, in Mark. I've also seen quite a lot on, on Twitter about this exciting start from Real Madrid yeah. that I think not many were expecting. So what, what do you make of it? I wonder with this, and if people who understand how the, the Spanish sport media works, um, Real Madrid and Barcelona are by far and away the teams that sell the most uh, newspapers or get the most clicks, you know. So it's, it's in the interest of Marca and Ass in this case to hype up Real Madrid as if, you know, they're back. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a comfortable win for them by the scoreline, but I, I think it's worth keeping in mind that Celta were really close to relegation last season. <laughs> so I'm not sure there's any huge takeaways. And also Madrid managed to beat Celta last season as well. There's not, there's not a huge amount that you can take from the the scoreline, I don't think. And even then, even at that, it felt like up until at least the break, uh, Celta pushed them fairly well. 
Um, but I mean, you know, it's a, a group of players who were there already playing the same kind of football that they played already. Can we stop for a, a minute to remember that they started really well last season? Uh, and I was foolish enough to think that mm -hmm. that meant that, you know, it was a new dawn and they were going to go on and push on in league. So I, I don't think you can take too much away from this at all. And I think we're, we're potentially going to see the same, the same problems keeping up further down the line. At least that's my opinion. That's my analysis. Well, I, I have to agree with that. I, I, said, I can say that I was a bit surprised when I was reading how, how people were hyping how well Real Madrid was doing. And I was like, did I just watch the same match? Because I wasn't impressed at all by what they were doing, to be honest. Uh, but was there anyone uh, specific of the players yeah, well, the one that, that impressed, impressed I think, considering the context, was Gareth Bale. Um, it was a really professional showing from him, considering how difficult emotionally his summer has been, um, considering he probably did not expect to, to be there, or at least he knew that people did not want him to be there. Um, and he, he knows probably also that he wouldn't have started if it wasn't for injuries elsewhere. Um, but he, in general, was the, the best game that I've seen Bill have for at least about a year, I think. Um, and I, I feel like it's kind of a, sh a shame. Like, I, I think we, we shouldn't overstate, you know, we can, we can treat Bill with a bit of fairness and say that he's still a very useful footballer without like bending over backwards to defend him and say that oh, he's innocent and, you know, he hasn't done anything to create this situation because I think both parties are to blame, but there's still a really good player in there um, to be taken advantage of. And I hope it works out for him because it's not a particularly nice position to be in if you're a player somewhere where you feel like you're not wanted, you know? Um, and he's still relatively young. I mean, the guy's not 35. Uh, so he still has some time left in his career and he showed, I think, at the weekend that he can still make a difference. So hopefully he can push on from there. So where do we see Real Madrid going? Yeah, this season, you think? I mean, to come back to the original point, I feel like not much has changed. And because not much has changed, um, I find it hard to see how they won't end up more or less the same. I think I, I don't think they'll have the same kind of dramatic results. We saw some defeats last season where it was alarming and there was long stretches as well where they were well outside the top four. I don't think that's the case, but honestly, my, my instinct right now is that unless something changes in the next few days, unless they bring in the midfielder that they still need, they still haven't brought in, uh, to add a bit of energy and quality to the middle of the pitch. Uh, and unless they bring in someone who can take some of the goal-scoring weight off Karim Benzema, then I have a funny feeling we might see Madrid third again. Or at least that's what I feel like right now. So we'll move on then to their opponents. Um, it wasn't the result that Celta wanted, but there were some positive stories at least in the case of Denis Suarez, who finally got to make his debut for the Celta first team. He was in their academy before he jetted off to England as a teenager for Manchester City. Uh, what did you make of his game and what does this mean for him and the Celta fans that he's back there? Well, the start with, I think it's it's a huge thing for him to to finally get to play for Celta. I remember even when he was playing for, for Barcelona, he would openly say that his biggest dream was to one day play for the Celta de Vigo first team, which is quite interesting to say when you're playing for Barca. Um, so the only reason he actually left Celta was because he really, really needed the money that he, they got from Manchester City when he moved out over there. Otherwise, it might even be possible that he would still be a Celta player since that day from, at this moment. So for him, it was a huge, huge moment. And I can say from, from my point of view in the stands, I saw a lot of Denis Suarez shirts in the stands. So mm. they are excited, extremely excited to have him back. And with all reason, because for me, without a doubt, he was the best Celta player on the pitch. Uh, this this weekend mm. and and he gave something that has been missing in that midfield for for quite a while and I think that is one of their biggest weaknesses is, is that since they lost Daniel Vaz since they lost uh, 
uh, now I'm forgetting the name of Tuku uh, and so on in the midfield. They haven't really had anyone who is producing what they need there and, and Lobotka is, is still the one they are, are trusting but hasn't really delivered. So uh, so seeing Denis Suarez and what he did, even if it was his small glimpses here and there, uh, I think was, was something very positive for Celta and something I'm very excited to see is for him and Aspas to, to find each other mm. and link up, which they didn't really in this match, but I think we're, we're going to see that. Yeah, Dennis did enough to frustrate Luka Modric anyway, which resulted in that sending off that we're not going to go into too much detail about because everyone else has dissected it by now. Um, okay, so Dennis is a positive um, investment and a, likely to be a positive return for them. But in general, how do you think Celta compared to last season and what's missing, if anything, still? Well, I think that we're, we're going to see a completely different Celta de Vigo this season from last season. Last season, they had two coaches who was two experiments who had, to be honest, no, no business being on, in those positions at all. Um, I think it took until Fran Escriba took over the team at the very end of the season for, for Celta to actually have a football coach and actually seem to know a little bit of what they were doing on the pitch. Uh, so to start with, that is a huge difference to have Fran Escriba from the start. And I feel we're already seeing that a little bit, that this is not the same Kartik Celta uh, in, in that sense. And they've also got in a, a lot of signings that is like Denis Suarez players who played for Celta before coming back home. We have Santimina as another one, uh, Papasheka as another one. These are players who, who would do anything for this club. Uh, and you already have Hugumayo, you have Iago Aspas, you have, a, I think, 12 play, 11 or 12 players now in the first team who's come up through the Celta ranks, who, who loves this club more than anything. And that was also a thing that there was a huge uh, problem last year. There were so many players who, who played more for themselves and tried to look further for their careers than to, to look at the team they were currently in and, and try to, to work with that. And, uh, and the president of the club even admitted that as a problem in the middle of the season, which is not either a, a good sign. Uh, so those are positives, but we still have quite a lot of negatives. We have a defence that is still really, really horrible, to be honest. Uh, now Hugumayo was not playing this weekend, but there's a lot to improve there. Uh, and like I said before, there is the midfield that Denis Suarez is adding things to, but it's, mm. it's still lacking a lot. So there's a lot of things for Celta to work with. So they're definitely not going to be in Europe or anything like that. But I don't either think they're going to be in the same type of relegation battle like they were in last year because they do have very, very good players and now they actually have a coach. So That makes a difference. That's a big difference. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, want, I just worry a little bit if they lack a little bit of bite, if that makes sense, sometimes Celta. Like, I think they have a lot of quality players on the ball, but I wonder if they could use someone who can just be a little bit nasty and break things up a little. I think they liked that against Madrid, but I mean, it's early, yeah. we'll find out. Uh, but to move on, we have another big team we haven't mentioned yet, which is obviously Atletico Madrid. And for me personally, I think I'm very excited to see what they will do this season. I think they've been doing very, very good summer, very good signings. It's like quite new, new Atleti mm. as well. Um, they got a 1-0. Um, in the end, is it the same old Atleti though, or do they look? Yeah, different? it's tempting to say that, especially if you saw the end of the game that they win by a one goal margin. They're like defending to the death, holding on that it's the same side. But actually, uh, of the of the big three, I think this is the team that we learned the most about uh, this weekend, at least until the sending off, which completely conditions the game. Um, but before before that happened, before Lodi got his uh, second yellow, by the way, a ridiculous sending off because. Uh, I wrote this on Twitter, but the booking that Lodi got, his first booking before he got sent off, was identical to something that happened about 10 minutes before with Marco Correa, killed a counter-attack by pulling someone back, and he didn't get booked. 
and then Lodi got booked for the the exact same thing in the opposite shirt. So if you're an Athletic fan, you can rightly be bothered by that. But anyway, uh, that's by the way. Um, the one thing I like about them is that I think they look much more direct than they did last season. And I think both the good and bad thing about Antoine Griezmann at Atleti was he had a tendency to slow things down sometimes. He had a tendency to hold on to the ball when he got it and say, okay, guys, let's let's try and move up the pitch as a line, you know? Let's not just try and go straight for the, the vertical option. Um, but I think towards the end, that maybe went too far in one direction than the other. Um, and you can see that the fans also got frustrated with it sometimes where they wanted them to play the early ball. I think now, uh, especially with the, the pace of Morata up front, uh, they have a really early option if they want to use him as an out ball. He played really well, I thought. Um, aside from missing the penalty, he played very, very well indeed. This is exactly what Simeone wants from a number nine. Uh, he held the ball up well. He won all of his or most of his aerial battles. Um, and he got other people involved in play. And he helped them get up the pitch. So I think that's really encouraging for them. Um, and then there's also the subject of the fullbacks and how they're playing. The, in particular with Kieran Trippier, we didn't see as much of Lodi because he got sent off. Um, but there were a lot of early crosses in to take advantage of Morata's height. And I think Simeone will be thrilled with that. And looking at uh, some of the new signings they've done this summer, what uh, what would you say about Trippier and his performance? Has he already managed to, to win over some of the fans? I think he's settled in perfectly. I mean, he's he's a different kind of fullback to, to Juan Fran, or at least to how Juan Fran has been in the latter stage of his career. But I was really impressed with his decision making, actually. Aside from we all know he can cross a ball. He's a great crossover ball and he made a career out of that. Um, and he showed that with the assist for Morata. But what I also liked is that he, he almost always made the right decision. So if there was the option to try and beat his man and get down to the byline and put the cross in, he would do it. But if it wasn't there, he wouldn't try and force the issue. He would go back and play it back into the midfield. Um, so honestly, I think I could see how this could work out being a really exceptional signing for Atleti, which is funny because a lot of people in the UK kind of turned their head and were like, what, really? Like, this is who you're going for? But... Uh, from what I understand from people I know that know in Spurs, I think he his season last season was difficult not just because of matters on the pitch. There were a few things behind the scenes that weren't really working out for him. Uh, and honestly, it's been a really encouraging start for him. So it's positive, yeah. And to move on to, to another signing that Atleti has done this summer, which I think is the most talked about signings, of, of, of course, that they have done, uh, who is the most expensive signing in Atletico Madrid history, mm-hmm. uh, a teenager that I know that you enjoyed really much during the preseason. But yep. how have Joe, Joe Felix done in his La Liga debut? To date, the most expensive signing of the summer, full stop, I think, as well. Um, this kid is unreal, man. I mean, I, I don't want to get carried away. You're always tempted to try and to contain yourself when it's a youngster, but... I don't know. I, I saw him in the preseason. I saw him against Juventus live and it took about, what, 60 minutes that he played in that game for me to be completely convinced. And I'm usually pretty cautious with these things. But he's so good. I mean, he, he seems to take pressure like it's nothing. Like he's been doing it his entire life. I mean, he's only had not even a full season of senior football at Benfica. And he looks like he's been accepting this kind of responsibility since the day he was born. Um, the, I mean, you, you'll have seen by now, everyone will have seen by now the ridiculous run he made. And honestly, it was one of those runs that you see very, very rarely at this level. Um, personally, for me, I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, it reminds me of Messi. It reminded me of Cristiano a little bit when he was younger, when he used to get down the line um, and use his quick feet and his dribbling to beat people. But regardless of who it, it makes you think of, it only makes you think of great players. That's how good it was. Um, and I'm hugely excited to see what he can what he can do because he's the kind of player that Atleti have needed for a long time someone again who's direct but who can also beat people just with skill 
Um, and if he can add finishing, which uh, judging by his preseason where he scored some really great goals, I think he, he can do, then he can make a huge difference for them, not just in the future, but maybe even this season. So we'll move on then to team from one of the teams from the south of Spain to Sevilla. Uh, from a Scandinavian point of view, well, we'll touch on this really quickly, but Simon Kjær, who's, I thought, is a pretty competent central defender and who, for the most part, done well for Sevilla, has uh, not really been getting the chance to shine to stay at the, the, the minimal. Uh, what's going on with him? Is he on his way out? Well, I think so, or definitely he is. Um, the, he's not in the plans for, for Monchi or, or for Lopetegui or for Sevilla at all uh, at this moment. He wasn't even in the squad this weekend. Uh, so I think the club is, is trying to, to, to sell him, to get rid of him if we're going to be really harsh. Um, I think he, he would have preferred to stay in Sevilla if he could. Um, but he's most likely going to be sold. And if not, he's, he's probably not going to get a lot of playing time because he's simply not in, in the idea of what they want to do this mm-hmm. season, which from a Scandinavian point of view is, is not something we'd like to hear. No, not at all. Um, so you touched on Monchi, who's been back for a while now. Um, what is the, what's the impact of him being back in charge? What does that mean for Sevilla? Well, I think it means quite a lot. When he left, um, what was it, uh, a few years ago? Not mm, even that. Yeah, um, he had been in, in the club for 17 years and he's basically the key to, to most of their success, their, their success in Europe, their success in creating youngsters, their success in, in getting in players and, and making them better and then sell them off for a really, really good profit. And he has a, a lot of names uh, that you can, can pull out to, to show us how greatly he's done that. Um, and when he left, he, he said that he was leaving these, this in good hands and he truly believed that. He, it wouldn't make a, too big of a difference that, that he left the club at that point. Uh, but it obviously did. And we've seen several coaches come and go in that short, short time that he's been gone. Several players failing and, and used to be not living up to the expectations that have been put on them. Um, so since he got back, what has he done? Well, he's done quite a lot. He's pre- pretty much changed the entire squad. You hmm. could say there have been, I think, 12 signings or, or if it's more. Uh, he's got in Lopetegui, who I guess a lot of people will be a bit critical to towards at the start, uh, looking at what happened with Spain and with Real Madrid, but who I think actually is a really, really good coach. And just the fact that Monchi decides to pick him for Sevilla says a lot. Um, and they've done a really, really, really good preseason. I, I think they are one of the teams that impressed the most dur- during the preseason. Mm. Now you can't take that much out of a preseason, but uh, I think it's, it shows positivities for, for Sevilla and a little bit of stability that they've been missing since he's been gone. So, so it's going to be interesting to see what that can can make for change for them this season. To cross to Sevilla's big rivals, uh, Real Betis. Ah, Betis, how do you start the season? Well, you start the season with an early sending off, with probably your most important signing in terms, or, or at least of the two most important signings in terms of the position on the pitch, Borja Iglesias getting injured, and then a 2-1 defeat at home to buy the lead. <laughs> the team who could not score despite how much they tried last season. Uh, what does this match tell us about Betis? Um, what do you think we can expect from them and from the lead actually? Well, I think that to start with, it tells us that Real Betis is Betis uh, and they will always be Betis no matter what. <laughs> but I don't think it really tells us a lot for, for either of these teams for the season. Uh, I think Betis has been doing a really good summer in terms of signings. They've got in Ruby as a coach, who I think will do a lot better than Kike Setien did for, for yep. Betis last season. And I know there's a lot of Barca fans who think that Kike Setien is this fantastic coach that they would love to see at the Camp Nou, etc., etc., because they saw that match that Betis did against Barca at Camp Nou. That was really good. 
and Kiki yeah. did some had some really good matches for for Betis. But if you ask any Real Betis fan, their view on Kiki Setien would be very very different Quite from different. these Barca fans. Yeah, because yep. they've seen what what it's like to have Setien for for an entire season, and they also had. I would say one of the better squads that Betis have done, had in mm-hmm. very many many years last season, uh, and he just didn't manage to to get the most out of them. Uh, and there was no Plan B, which has been talked about a lot when it comes to Kings to the end. Uh, so getting Ruby, I think, is is a brilliant brilliant coach for for uh, for Betis at this time. It's a coach who at the Spanish last season got pretty much every single player to overperform. Mm-hmm. So if you have a team that that Betis has a squad that they have, and if you can get those players. To over to play even better, uh, then I think you you can do some some really really good stuff. And Borja Iglesias, as we noted, we you mentioned, <laughs> uh, got injured really early in this match, but he's going to be a, a key player for them. And to have him and the coach he had last last year as well. Uh, so I think from Betis, the big the big concern as always is the defense and the concern that they are Real Betis. So. They always manage to to make these strange things happen, so like sending off after eight minutes, etc. Yeah. Uh, so that's you never really know where they're gonna end. But I think they're gonna be in the the upper part of the league table. They're gonna have a, a good season, I believe. If you take Real Madrid, um, I see them as one who who could be relegated this season. Yep. Even though this is an amazing start, both of their goals were a little bit of pure individual brilliance. To yeah. be honest, it was two golazos. It was not fantastic team play or anything like that. Uh, so I think they're going to have a difficult season and, and Betis a good one, which is the reverse to, to what the result actually ended in this, this match. But anyway, that's more than enough analysis of the first weekend of the La Liga season. We could probably continue forever, but before we know it, it's going to be next weekend and the next round of fixtures. Some huge games coming up. Alex, you talked about uh, Betis and Barca. Barcelona hosts Betis on Sunday on the 25th. So let's see if Betis take another ridiculous result from the camp now. Maybe the Barca fans will all want Ruby back as their coach this time next season. And then there's a Madrid derby as well, Leganes, Atletico Madrid. How would you describe that? Probably not one for the attacking football purists, I would say. No, that's just, <laughs> probably not. No. It's a diplomatic way of saying it. And then your guys, uh, Celta against Valencia, I think that's going to be a, a really cool game to watch. Yeah, uh, that, would be, that would be a lot of entertaining football, I, I'd guess. Returning striker as well. Yeah. Maxi Gomez. Oh. See what kind of reception and, and he Santimina gets. And Santimina against Valencia if he's back from his ah, injury, that is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, that that's next week. We will be back uh, the same time next week, next Monday, to analyse all the fallings out and also to look at the final uh, possible transfers in and out of uh, Spain. But until then, it's time for us to say hey-do. So, hey-do, Alex. Hey-do. Adios. Adeo. Fins ara.